Greetings all and welcome to Margin Call, the podcast and editorial meeting for Quest On Media. I'm your host, Russell Morse. Welcome everybody. Uh, tonight's episode was inspired by a Facebook post from an old friend of ours, uh, Jamila, that started off as a regular Facebook post. Uh, about student loans and the fact that she paid off her student loans, which is remarkable enough and certainly worthy of a Facebook post. And then it took a few interesting twists and turns, so much so that we approached her about publishing it on the site. Uh, and by the time you hear this, it will actually be on the site. So I encourage you all to go read the whole piece. Uh, but I'll read a little bit of it just so you can get a sense of what I mean by twists and turns. Uh, and then I'll introduce our guests. Uh, so this comes close to the end of Jamila's piece, uh, and this is actually where we got the idea for the headline. The headline for the piece is, I wish we talked about money more often. I wish we talked about money more often. The way it dictates our decisions and social networks, the way it keeps us up at night, the way it gets us up in the morning, the way it becomes a weapon that we use against the people we love and against ourselves. I'm grateful, and I'm scared, and I have no idea what I'm doing. I may not have grown up in a family that talked to me about investing and high yield savings accounts, but I did have a mama and aunties and a granny and a gunkle who taught me that I deserve nice things, that it's okay to treat myself and that no one else can dictate my worth. Uh, those are the last two paragraphs in the piece. They're beautifully written because Jamila is a great writer, but they're also profound. Uh, so before I go any further, I want to introduce everybody who's here tonight. Of course, Jamila King is here. Uh, that's her piece and her words that you just hear heard. It's always a pleasure to have her on the show uh, or involved in any way. Amelia is back after a long hiatus. We're very sad. Amelia was in Los Angeles. Then Amelia was busy. Then Amelia was too cool for us. Now she's back. She's be very always happy. too cool for us. Let's be real. That's true. Even if she's here, she's too cool for us. <laughs> Uh, and of course, as always, uh, our producer keeps us sounding good, Eming Piance. Uh, welcome, everybody. Thanks to everybody for being here. Jamila, obviously, I'm going to start with you because it's your piece that prompted this conversation. Uh, but I, I guess I'm curious about how you made the decision to just start being so honest about this. I mean, uh, it's a, it's very easy to say, Hey, you know, I paid off my student loans. Like I'm starting to be an adult and I'm being serious and I want to share that with the world, but it took a couple twists and turns here and, and it took a lot of rigorous honesty and you revealed a lot about yourself. Can you like, tell me a little bit about that and, and where that came from for you? Yeah. Um, so as most, you know, emo Facebook, Facebook posts go, uh, I was in a space, yeah. um, you know, I, so I've been paying back my student loans for like 12 years. Um, and I think that I was in a place where I just wanted to, like I, I've seen people talk a lot about paying off their student loans or whatever, or buying houses, or they, you know, talk about these really incredible life milestones and they just don't give any context. They're just like, yeah. Hey, I did the thing celebrate me and yeah. kind of implicit in that for me every time i'd see something like that it would kind of be like why can't you do the thing right like what what are the things that are holding you back from doing the thing and so i've been thinking a lot about money um i've been talking a lot to friends about money i feel like i'm at a moment where i actually just come back from um visiting a friend who grew up in san francisco who now lives in atlanta and bought a house and you know i've just been having these really frank conversations with people about what they're doing how they're doing it um and, you know, a lot of the things that people don't often say is, are the things that I'm most, most interested in, right? Like, so when you hear people 
buying houses or buying cars, they don't tell you that their parents gave them the down payments. They don't Mm -hmm. tell you that they got an inheritance. They don't tell you a whole bunch of things. Instead, they're like, you know, why can't you do this thing? Um, So, yeah, it was just really in a space. I was emotional. Um, I actually didn't realize that I'd paid off my student loans because they were just like automatically coming out of my account. And then (laughs) I got paid and I was like, wait, why? Why do I have more money? Oh, that's money? how you found out. You mean like con- <laughs> confetti and balloons didn't just fall from the sky? No, and they like, didn't have like a parade for you. You were just like, it, oh, wait, I have extra money this month. Something yeah, was wrong. Yeah, it was so random. And then so I went back into Navient and then I looked at it and it was, it was just, it was done. And I, wow. it was so uneventful. It was like, you know, like this thing that I dictated so many choices that I've made since I graduated college um, was really just kind of a letdown a little bit. Like I don't a little anticlimactic. Like you wanted totally the balloons and the confetti. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm particularly struck by the way that you talk in a realistic way about like where help comes from. Like I think sometimes we have like I have an understanding that's really misguided sometimes that there's like a binary, right? That there's just like there are rich people and their families do everything for them over here, and then there's poor people over here, and we have to just like scrape and and it's all on us right but there's really such such a richer and broader spectrum uh of like accomplishment and survival and you know i know for me personally uh kind of like you said you know we're we become very caught up in our own mythology you know and just because part of my story was like oh you know i'm a formerly incarcerated person and i didn't have you know certain relationships with my family or certain supports i felt like that had to be my story all the way through and then when I did have family support or when I did reconcile with certain family members, I was like kind of ashamed of that. You know, it was like, right. you know, like my, my my mother and I started to have a good relationship and she was very supportive of education. So she wanted to help me out. And instead of just thinking like, oh, that's a nice thing for our relationship. And that's a nice thing for me in my life. I was kind of like embarrassed because it didn't match up with why, you know, it was so important for me to be a person who was kind of parentally struggling you know and you talk about that in your piece which is like oh yeah like I was able to do this because I lived with my mom for this period of time and then you know some of this for you was a a little bit of tragedy right like you lost your father and there was a small amount of money you know I just that that honesty I think was just very bracing for me probably because I've had such a difficult time reconciling those things where it's like oh my identity is a person who's like struggled and done things for himself but it's like you know there's a lot more to the story than that and there are people who helped along the way yeah and i mean i think one thing too is that we're we're precarious like we're we're constantly going um from different sorts of financial situations depending on our family resources right like so like my story like all of our stories get super complicated i've had help in certain moments and i haven't right like so there's a lot like i think there's this idea that if you grow up in a particular way, if you grow up working class, then like everybody around you is working class or there's no like, you know what I mean? Like there's no way for you to get support. Um, Likewise, like if you grow up, you know, middle class or whatever, like there's this idea that you are just completely stable. Right. And there's not going to be a point in your life where you're not going to be financially stable. So, you know, I think like we live under capitalism and like shit changes all the time. Um, and so I think that's something that I really wanted to 
grapple with publicly because it was a trip that like a lot of people responded to the Facebook post and a lot of people were like, yeah, this is my story. Like yes. this is what I'm doing. I'm supporting my mom or I have a hundred thousand dollars in loans to pay back or I, you know, this, that. And I mean, to be real, like, you know, some, like I am not by any means like figuring this shit out. Like I have a shit ton of credit card debt. Like I'm struggling every month in New York city, you know, like yeah. it's, I think for me, it was also just like, I was feeling very alone and I wanted to figure out like, if this was just something that I was going through, like if it was crazy, if everybody else had it figured out and I was just like this random ass solo person who just couldn't get her shit together. Um, but isn't that what everybody thinks about money? You know, it's like, like I exactly. certainly have that perception where I'm like, well, I'm a wreck, right? Like I'm certainly never going to get approved for anything. You know, like, I'm not going to get approved for a car loan in my life. And everyone else is holding it together somehow. Uh, whereas, like, the reality is much more different, right? Like, or much, much more complicated, where uh, there's nuance there and other people are struggling in similar ways to me. Uh, I, Amelia, I'm, I'm curious to get your take without putting you too much on the spot with specific questions. Um, but I know that you are a recent college graduate. You're a young person living in New York City. We've talked about financial stuff before um, because we had a similar show about how everybody denigrates young people sometimes mistakenly referred to as millennials as you know for being broke uh, but are you making similar decisions now are you thinking does student debt play a huge role in your life are you thinking about where you're going to live based on these kinds of decisions a million well Okay, so actually, I have an interesting situation where I actually am a, a rare breed of my generation, um, where I actually don't have any student loans. And that's because um, I got a full academic scholarship to college for four years. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. Really. Every yeah, time we yeah. talk to you, we learn a new <laughs> amazing thing about you. <laughs> yeah, so congratulations. Um, thank you. Thank you. So yeah. Um, yeah, Antioch, they, they gave me a, a full a full ride for four years. Um, I still had to pay like room and board, but obviously that's nowhere near what people, you know, usually people who graduate from college are like a quarter of a million dollars in debt. And that's like the the um, kind of expected result. But um, yeah, I mean, living in New York, definitely. And I, I work at a nonprofit, so I get a nonprofit pay, which anyone can imagine. Um, oh, but also I, I live honey, a, we know, we know how much I'm my face. We know. Yeah. Been there. Yeah. But, um, also I live with my mom, you know? Yeah. So, and yeah. to be honest, like, um, all my sisters and I definitely, we get tremendous support from our mom. Um, but you know, ideally, honestly, like my, my girlfriend lives in LA and, um, either I could go to LA and live with her and, you know, live in an apartment or, my mom's actually moving out. So I'm like, you could just move here. And like, we own the apartment. And like, I have no, um, like, I don't know, there's some like stigma maybe with living with your parents. But I'm like, in this day and age, like, it's a benefit to be able to do that. Well, the real so, question is, how does your girlfriend feel about living with your mom? <laughs> you might have been. <laughs> well, no, my mom's moving, actually. My mom's moving out. She's moving oh, back okay. to San Francisco. And what's crazy is we still own the apartment that we have in San Francisco. Like wow. in across the across the street from Japantown because my mom bought it in like the 1980s. Wow, Safeway like Apartments. Right, yeah, no, it's literally <laughs> right there. Yeah. yeah, that's the apartment we nice. have. So it's right in the St. Francis Square. So yeah. I grew yeah. up there, and so like 
my mom the other day was like, I don't know, maybe I should sell it. And I was like, don't ever, don't, yeah, don't even, yeah. do not. That yeah. cannot be a thought. I'm so sorry, but you have to keep that apartment forever. Um, but, and then, you know, this one's also a co-op owned apartment. So for, for me, I, I like, I don't, I don't, yeah, I, I would prefer to like live in one of those two places, but um yeah, Especially I, I since we've already determined that Los Angeles has murder vibes. It has total murder vibes. Just so you guys know, before we came in here, since we totally. were the ones in the other chat room and it was just the two of us, I was just like, oh yeah, how was your trip to LA? She's like, oh, I like LA, but it just is, it's like at night it has like, and she kind of trailed off and I was like, murder vibes. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's true, man. Like LA at night is just real it's murdery. So, yeah, it's like, like the only word so, I can come up with it's like so like eerie like i just felt when i was out there i was like man like i don't want to be outside right now i don't even fully feel protected in the home but like definitely more oh than God. if i was outside um yeah no i'm not feeling that but at the same time so also one thing that i have been thinking about is getting a credit card and i have you ever it's a trap it's great. a trap it's a trap don't, don't, don't do it the for life. Every month. Yeah, every month. Don't. Don't do it. <laughs> it's, a trap. it's a fucking well, trap. Thing, is I've been like so nervous and I've been going like back and forth, back and forth. Cause I, I'm part of a credit union for my debit card and I love credit unions. And I, but at the same time, it's like, if I want to think about, you know, getting a home or if I want to think about like even renting a place, you know, or like doing anything ever, I have to get a credit card. Like, you know, you mean for establishing credit. So you're getting a credit card the way a responsible person does, not because you're like, oh my God, I really want to get this leather jacket. I wonder (laughs) if I can. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. I just want to establish credit, but I'm in so much fear of like not having good credit, you know, or like something happening that I've hesitated to just get a credit card because I'm like, well, like if I get one and then I miss a couple payments or, you know, if something happens, I don't know. And then I have like terrible credit. And then for the, re- you know, I'm like, then like trapped and like, you know, I mean, I, I will only share my experience, which was for the majority of my adulthood, I made the most terrible financial decisions that any person can make. Right. <laughs> if I like didn't pay my power bill for like a couple months and the balance was like a few hundred dollars, I was like, I'm going to move and never pay that bill and just like disappear and think they wouldn't find me until like mail started showing up. Or if I had any other kind of debt or like, I just never looked into anything. I never imagined paying anything back. I had like, you know, ambulance ride bills that I won't go into details about that. I just like completely (laughs) ignored emergency. I was just like, had like a 100% ostrich attitude about it. Like anytime it was possible for me to like borrow, you know, I just like made terrible, terrible, terrible decisions. And I assumed that that meant, that for the rest of my life, I was just going to be one of those people that just like never, ever had any credit and just like always had to, you know, uh, sublet an apartment or like buy a car in cash from a friend for $800, you know. And just in this past year, I mean, I've, I've started making better decisions in general over the past few years, but this just in the past year is the first time I've ever been like, you know what, let me get my head out of the sand. Like, let me see what the damage really is. Like, let me look at my credit report. Like, what does that look like? Does does, a, does an alarm go off when I check my credit? You know what I mean? Like, is there a siren somewhere? And it wasn't. It wasn't. Because first of all, uh, I always thought this was a myth, but, but like a lot of stuff does go away after a certain amount of time, right? It doesn't follow you forever. 
That's not true of student debt, but a lot of the stuff that I did that was really ill-advised about like not paying um, like power bills and stuff like that, um, that stuff was gone. And I was, and I realized like there is such a thing as rebuilding credit and I got a credit card, used it, paid it off, used one to pay down the rest of the balance. And now it's like, it feels like a manageable thing. Whereas like for years and years, I just assumed it was like a tire fire that was never going to end. And I just had to like accept that it was a part of my life. But here you are, you know, a young person, but a responsible adult, like saying like, hmm, maybe I should get a credit card to develop my credit. And I'm like that. I feel like, wow, that would have been a great way for me to approach building credit at, you know, whatever age. I, I agree. There are a lot of like traps associated with credit. But I, you know, if you're approaching it that way, that's exactly what you have to do. You kind of don't have a choice to establish credit right. without using a credit card. And if you already know, like, you know, keep it at 33% of the balance and make the payments every month, then yeah, it doesn't have to, it, it's only a trap if like you're kind of making bad decisions. Right. I, well, don't, I, in my yeah. opinion. My, my I, opinion. Go ahead, no, I was just going to say that like so much of money and how we spend it is tied to emotions. Right. And yeah. how you feel about yourself, right, Russell? So, like, when you were making those decisions, you were in a certain place where you were just like, I don't give a fuck. Ooh, and that was terrible. a very emotional decision. Like, for me, I got into a shit ton of credit cards that um, right after me and my ex split up. And, like, I was in New York City on my own for the first time. And I just gave myself license to do whatever. I was like, yo, I, I want three pairs of Air Maxes in different colors. I'm going to do that. I'm going to get a fucking Apple watch. I'm like just all these little tiny decisions that were driven by impulse or driven by depression or heartbreak or whatever. Right. Like, so, you know, we can want to be as responsible as possible, but I think the thing with credit cards and money in general is that so much of it is about emotion. Absolutely. And so, and so much too, like, of like, like, okay, so my, my thinking of getting a credit card and then I want to establish credit. And, and it's interesting because also so much of my trustworthiness is connected to that, right? Like, no one's going to trust to give me something if I don't have a, if I don't have a credit score or have developed any credit. Like, I can't just rent someplace or, you know, like even renting a car, I think I, well, I have anyway, but you know, I'm 24. I need to, I, not just, I need to, but I want to start doing these things. So, you know, for me, I thought, okay, I'll just have like a $500 limit, like very, very small. And or I'll do like a thousand and just attach my um, car insurance to it, which I have to pay. Cause I drive my car because <laughs> I want to drive illegally. And then like my car parking, you know, like just, I was like, I'm yeah. just going to do that, which I already pay anyway, but attach it to this. So that way I'm not like really actually using my credit card only for this, like one thing, you know, like the family that I grew up in and also how my parents viewed money and used money also impacted how I view money. Um, and like my, my dad, like, you know, building his own company, not going past sophomore year of high school, like the way that he viewed money, he actually, because he didn't really have a lot growing up when he started to make money he like really hardcore spent it and went into like bankruptcy and like things like that it's uh, i don't know it's something that's so personal and at the same time so out there like it's such a weird dichotomy because like no one really wants to talk about how much money they have yeah. you know and as I, I one of my favorite sayings is um you know money is meant to be spent like it's meant to be used but it ends up just using people and I think yeah. that's such a great point. You know, like it's meant yeah. to be spent, but yeah. people end up just trapped within it. 
whether you have a lot, you know, and actually, especially usually when you have a lot, you end up to be more stingy. Um, so you end up just being used by money. So it's like, how do you find that balance? You know, how do you spend it in a sense, which is meant to be spent. If everyone held on to their money, we'd have no economy, you know, like it's, it needs to be spent mm-hmm. and enjoy. You should, I, I would like to enjoy. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, that's part the same of what time, I like about is that it kind of ends with this sentiment where like you can still be like responsible about money and like, like buy some air masses, you know what I mean? Like, it's okay. Like that idea of like treat yourself, it doesn't have to be associated with like sheer guilt or which I think Mm -hmm. it it is for a lot of people. And, you know, it's like a separate conversation about consumption and like this emotional need or like the high or hit you get from purchasing kind of what Jamila was talking about earlier. It's like, if you don't feel good about yourself, like you're not going to make good decisions like that. Another thing I'm interested in, and, you know, I know I'm alone here, but I think it's an important point, uh, is the relationship for me between masculinity and money and, like, manhood and money and how heavily informed that was just by my childhood, you know, where, like, my mom was, like, a very responsible person, like a nurse and an earner, you know, and my dad, like, didn't have a lot of money and a lot, a lot of tension about money and kind of, like, that relationship dissolving because of, you know, like, my perception of my father is, like, not being a provider, like, a lot of dark stuff that really shapes our own images. And even though I've never been a person, like, you know, I'm not, like, the kind of guy that's, like, yo, I'm gonna go to business school or, like, I want, like, a Porsche or anything, but, like, my... I idea of like having a family and even having like a partner and my like worth, like my deserving, like, like the idea that I would be deserving of, of a partner for many, many years was wrapped up in the idea that like, well, I'm broke. So I can't really be in a healthy relationship with someone because who would want to like love somebody, even if I was 25 years old or whatever, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, I think that has a lot to do with, you know, it's another show again to talk about masculinity and um, a lot of the kind of like social pressures that come along with what the, our ideas of what manhood is. But a lot of it really is still wrapped up in that as much as things have changed, I think internally, and I know this is certainly true for me, like that's a big part of it. Like if you're broke, like you're weak like you're specifically not a desirable romantic partner and that does like a number on men and you know some that births a lot of what we see on instagram that's you know like stunting that's what like stunting culture is you know like it's not a mistake that like you know some of the the people on instagram have the most followers are like people who like have like a stack like a literal actual stack of cash and like (laughs) And they're like holding it next to their head while they talk to the Instagram camera, you know, even if, you know, I think I saw the meme that was like, you know, stop, stop, stop getting your rent money in cash so that you can make an Instagram video. You know what I mean? Like, and I was like, oh yeah, that is where that comes from. Like people have like, you know, $1,200. So if like, if you get like a couple hundreds on top and then like some twenties, you really could make a video where it looks like, wow, that person is like, nah, dude, like go pay your bills and then make a video about what's left over. Um, yeah, for sure. But I don't mean to call it. I, we're always blaming Instagram for the world's problems on here. I don't want to be a part of that. <laughs> but if anything, maybe Instagram is just really good at getting at what some of our human flaws are, our modern human flaws are. Yeah, I feel too like with spending. So 
and I'm like I, I work a full-time job yay um where I get health insurance yay um but what I've been noticing just about myself and listening to you guys and also reflecting in this moment like I'm trying to think like how what do I feel when I spend money or like when not just spend money but when I know I can spend that money and not be in fear you know, like I'm not spending like with like anxiety, but I'm just able to like spend things on certain stuff because of my financial situation. And there is a, uh, like a power to that, like feeling like I get to decide what I want, you know? And like that, not like in a narcissistic way. I'm not like, Oh, I get to decide, you know, like Amazon, like not like that, but just like being like, wow, like, I want this and I can buy it and I don't have to feel afraid. Like there's a, there's a strong sense of power in that. Not negative, but um, I think it's interesting. I I just wanted to put that out there, but no, I think that's totally legit. And I think it's very similar to what Jamila was saying earlier about the emotional part about like, you know, you're not being the and it's like, well, I'm, I can get an Apple Watch. I'll pay pay it off yeah. later. What were you What were you gonna say to me? Yeah, no, I was. So I've been doing some research, and it's interesting. So there's um, this whole world of Debtors Anonymous, um, yeah. DA, which is very similar to AA, NA, all these other meetings, um, and it's really work, helping folks work through addiction around compulsive spending. And so they have these mm. statistics. Um, around like 90% of the people who participate in DA are women. Um, wow. But that's mostly because women are more likely to admit to shopping, whereas guys mm-hmm. are more likely to be like, nah, I just, I'm a collector, right? <laughs> and so like, I know so many dudes with like hat collections or like shoe collections, right? Like, and they don't think of that as compulsive spending. They don't think of yeah. that as like... A thing like where do all the messages come from that tell you that you need like every single pair of Jordans, right. you know what I mean? Like in all yeah. these different colors. Um, so yeah, it's it's a trip. I think gender does play a huge role in in how folks spend money, whether it's like you know changing your gender or trying to perform your gender in a certain way. It's just a trip. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's absolutely a part of it. I also, I mean, that piece. <laughs> about 90% of people being in debtors anonymous or, or being women that is an outrageous number that is so ripe to be unpacked in a lot of ways one how and why do we stigmatize like you know consumption by women more than consumption by men right, right. and then also what does it say about disclosing or asking for help you know this is a bit of a sidebar but i think it's totally relevant i heard a woman on the radio the other day talking about like higher rates of anxiety and depression for young women you know um and the numbers were crazy i was like wow that's you know that that is an epidemic specifically high school aged young women who reported having symptoms of you know depression and anxiety versus young men and I was like, well, that's reporting, right? Like, what is right. that? Does, yeah. Is that an implication of us? Like, are we creating a safe social space for young women to talk about, you know, needing some support and not creating a space for young men to talk about having a support, you know? And how much of that is reflected in those same numbers for Debtors Anonymous, where, and maybe it could work inversely, because... Mm-hmm. 
I, no one passes any judgment of like, oh yeah, he got like, you know, like cribs and shows like that. Like was, it was really all about that kind of like consumption. Uh, and why do we, do we feel differently about like 30 pairs of Jordans versus like 30 pairs of uh, Christian Louboutin heels? You know, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, probably, you know what I mean? Like everybody makes the joke about like Amelda Marcos, you know? But, like, why did Mel DeMarcos <laughs> get so much flack? So, oh, yeah, it's a Filipino reference, of course. There you go. <laughs> um, but, like, that that's something that people still talk about because they went into her house and they're like, oh, people are starving. And Marie Antoinette, you know, we still talk about her. But it's like, you know, there were a lot of male uh, uh, people in the monarchy doing the same kind of ridiculous spending it's but yeah it's fully gendered there's a there's definitely a lot there i have a question for amelia amelia did like said you and your girlfriend um like have different approaches to money does that ever cause tension well you know it's funny because um i think her parents initially were worried that i was really interested in her because of money Mm -hmm. and i was like well first of all it's not like she's a trust fund baby so even if i went sorry like, like my mom was like really like gold digging like I would shoot a little higher but, <laughs> but I think I think sometimes like def- definitely it, it like um so just to kind of dial back like my dad was in NA growing up which is um Narcotics Anonymous and then I feel like the addiction kind of changed to money to be quite honest and like spending and just that kind of um, feeling of like, you know, being in control of something, but also recklessly spending. So actually I'm more, when I spend, I'm actually a lot more conservative with my spending. That's the word to use. So I tend to not like, like I, like I don't, I'm not really interested in like spending a lot of, like if I don't need to go see a movie in a movie theater, like I won't ever because it's so expensive. <laughs> um, but, and I try to like always find like Groupon and stuff like that. But anyway, but her, she's a lot more like, you know, she drives a BMW and like, you know, well, like, she, uh, hold on. she lives in LA. She does. So she does. She does. She does. Car status she does. is Everyone, like a real thing out there that everybody has to contend with. So, but that's, an, that's, you know, that's also, yeah, 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 yeah. But, uh, but I feel like, if I, if I don't need to spend the money, like I won't, but I don't think, you know, because actually, um, and this is okay to share, but she was very interesting. She, um, actually just got a new job today as a CFO of a healthcare company, (laughs) (laughs) which will will literally never be my reality, but (laughs) it's a part of your reality (laughs) now. Yes, yes, yes. But, um, (laughs) But before that, actually, she was looking for work for about seven months, which I think, you know, actually, I then became the person who had the money. So like, whenever we went out or did anything, actually, I was always the one who spent. And, um, you know, she'd always make a joke, like, well, if you met me earlier, you know, I would be the one and I I actually really don't mind, like, because I I actually think money should be spent, but also saving it. But yeah, I don't think for, for me, like, I just don't really care about it. You know, like, Mm -hmm. I'm not like, when I hang hang out with some of her friends who are actually really great people, they're really down, you know, down to earth and very personable and, you know, have money as well. Like, I don't, I'm not like, oh, that's, that's so cool. Like, I want that. And that's not my desire. But I think for most people, like, it does equate a sense of living a life of like, um, not just comfort, but feeling safe and secure, which makes sense. But for me, it just doesn't give me that safety or security because I'm like, well, you know, tomorrow, like a disaster could, you know, like, I don't, I can't base my, 
my hap not just my happiness, but you know, my safety or security on money. Cause it's just so like, it's changing, you know, every single day, what something's worth and what you're worth and where you live, what's that, what that is worth and um, things like that. But for her, it's like a little different. Like we should have her on the podcast and ask her because bring her in. I want to hear everything. I want to hear about the healthcare industry. I want to hear about the oh, BMW. Yeah. Oh yeah. We need to talk about murder vibes. You know? <laughs> Can that be a podcast yeah. that we do? Just murder but vibes. Murder vibes in LA. Yeah, right. it's the Kanye West song. But I think what was interesting though, with highlighting in our in our relationship, was that she was actually concerned that when she didn't have money, I. I wouldn't be as like interested or something. I yeah, like, I mean, I, I listen, hearing you talk, I'm, and actually, Jamila, of course, we should not be surprised that you're asking the poignant questions here because, you know, this was Jamila's post and Jamila's a journalist. But yes, of course, money differences cause tension in relationships. I'm looking back now on a relationship I was in years ago with someone whose family was, you know, successful, not like shockingly wealthy. Uh, and it really caused a lot of inner turmoil for me, you know, uh, partly because I wasn't feeling good about myself at the time. But like I, we would go visit and like spend time with the family and they were very nice people and they were very nice to me. But I, w- I found myself being so judgmental about their activity, the kind, of, the kind of car that they had or, you know, it was like all of their activities were around consumption and we were going to the mall. And, you know, it's kind of like what Jamila was saying earlier, where it's like, why do I care if like, you know, her stepmom wants to go to Sephora and like spend $200. But like, I also want to spend $200 on something just as meaningless. You know what I mean? Like for some reason I was so tight about it and it was just because my experience was different or I felt inadequate. Um, And also, you know, weirdly being resentful of her in a way that we kind of talked about at the top of the show where I assumed like, Oh, like your whole life has been easy. You don't understand anything about like having a difficult life, which is preposterous because of course she had a difficult life. Like her parents separated when she was a kid and she was living with her mom who was like really unstable and gave her a lot of insecurity about money. And there's not, that's partly why I was so struck by your story. There are not, not a lot of entry points for these conversations you know yeah. there's no easy way to bring it up i mean it's like there are a lot of topics that are difficult to talk about you can talk about like sexual intimacy or something but like you know there's still like a place for that i would say before there is a place to talk about like like if you're in, uh, with your partner hey here's how i feel about intimacy whatever that's a conversation to have but like when are you gonna say like hey so we're pretty broke and this apartment's tiny like what are we gonna do because that's like you're immediately implicated you know what i mean like and i I, it's like partly because i'm defensive or because i got my own stuff to work out but it's just such a hard conversation to have yeah that's a a really great oh sorry no i was just gonna say like i wrote the post like a week after i got back from vacation with my girlfriend's parents and it was a trip because they are so my girlfriend's like super intense with money like she she grew up pretty like upper middle class but like her parents are both immigrants and they both fled like dictatorships to come to the U.S. Mm -hmm. Um, and then they became doctors and so like she has this really insane sort of relationship with money where like she has it but it's always very tenuous and so she does it like you know she'll get an unlimited metro card and she'll literally log every time that she uses it to make sure that she's getting her money's worth and i'm just like yo that's intense um but we were we were 
uh, in Florida with her parents. And it was just a trip because like they, we, they went grocery shopping, they bought all the food and, and brought it to where we were staying. And we just ate in the house the entire time. We didn't go out to eat at all. Um, like when we were finished with things, they like washed out a bottle and like put stuff, you know, like just shit like that, where like, if my family went on vacation, which we don't, but if we ever did, it'd be like, yo, let's go to fucking whatever, you know, like, so I don't, it's just a weird, like, I don't, you know, I can try to like theorize all my thoughts about like why, how trauma informs how we think about money and, and longevity, right? Like if you grow up in a community where folks are just like, shit happens really quickly and I don't feel any safe safety or stability then yeah they're gonna be right. like fuck it money is made to be spent when you got it spend it you know Damn. that's a pretty profound insight and actually sheds a lot of light on um this family that I'd spent time with that I was just talking about her dad was from Pakistan and again a very successful guy there's one detail that blew my mind but also like is very very profound and telling um that like a cultural tradition that they have, like, you know, like nice cars in the garage. But if you're like throwing away like a piece of bread, right? Like nobody ate it or it got stale or something, you have to kiss it first, right? Because it's like, mm. it, it's like, it has to be like a little bit ceremonial because it's yeah. wasteful. And it's like, these are, as long as he's been successful, there's still a part of him that is that, you know, like came from a place where, it was insane to think about throwing away a piece of bread. Do you know what I mean? Like, so, and then now I have to think about where here I am passing judgment on someone who's like successful and living a nice life in the DC suburbs, who's also probably wrestling with crazy identity stuff about like, wow, like, like this is what I came from when we were thinking about not having enough food to eat. And like, this is, this is still with me. This, the ceremonial nature of like, you know, potentially wasting food. Um, I think, that's so I, I think this is really interesting though, because when I think of my dad, like so so he like he came to the States, I think when he was like six or something from Nicaragua. And then Nicaragua at that time there were like a revolution after revolution after revolution. And my Aulita first came to San Francisco when she was like in her twenties, but I feel like my dad actually went the exact opposite. Like rather than being like very meticulous about money. I feel like he took the like other side of that reality, which is like, you know, you're not going to witness, <laughs> you know, any sort of, I, I think it had actually a lot to do with masculinity, but you know, you're not going to perceive any sort of weakness via my mm-hmm. social status. Yeah. And so I, I remember one experience that I had that like literally will never leave my mind. Um, I went to, I went to like a Waldorf school in San Francisco, which was really nice. And I, of course, like all my classmates lived in Pacific Heights and you know, I definitely did not live in Pacific Heights, but um, I had one experience that I, I felt so uncomfortable. And I think this has, this has really impacted how I feel in spaces of wealth, which is, I always feel uncomfortable, especially with my, with my girlfriend's friends like I have a lot of um invisible eye rolling that happens <laughs> because I just feel like man I'm so sorry but y'all like do not like you know they, they do like jet sharing you know like private jet sharing like, that's, wow. that's like a part of their reality and like I didn't even know that existed you know just things that like I just never so yeah but anyway um a friend of mine from school invited me to her like family's country club and so 
No, like not ever experiencing that. I didn't know that rich people don't dress nice. You know, usually they wear like <laughs> t-shirts and like jeans. You know, like they don't well, like when they places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, their jeans are a hundred dollars, but like you know, nothing, nothing comes off as like, look how much money I have. You know, but as someone who definitely did not come from that, and my dad wanting to make sure that everyone knew that we didn't, you know, like we had money. He bought me a Barney's dress. I was like, so that you would look good, right? So you could go to the country club and and look good and be like everyone else. And I show up and actually my friend was like, Oh my God, change out of that. Like here are some jeans, some like true religion jeans, which I'm sure were like $80 and like, (laughs) and like change into this, like, don't wear that in there. And I just like, in that moment, I was just like, wow. Like, you know, and that, that yeah. dress, I remember the price tag on that dress because I just remember thinking, like, this is so expensive. It was $365. Like, wow. I remember how much money that was. But, and I know, you know, I'm sure my dad was coming from a place of like sincerity. Like, I don't think he was trying to play any game. You know, like, he was, a yeah, he was looking out for you. He was, yeah. you know, he wanted to make sure that you had what you needed to go there in his right. estimation. That, that's right. a good, I think, a good parental instinct. Yeah. <laughs> But if you're not, in, you know, of course, if you don't grow up in those circles, live in those circles, you don't know that rich people don't actually dress like that. Or if they do, they wear Barney's jeans, you know, unless they're like, <laughs> you know, going to like, I don't know, whatever they, oh, I just saw them all in jeans. I just remember thinking like, what the hell? Like, all of you guys are fucking wearing jeans. But of course, like, you know, the nine-year-old has like a new phone and whatever. But yeah, I just like, I just remember just in that moment, once again, realizing I know nothing about this world because it's a world, you know, in and of itself. And so I think there's that aspect too, like, yeah, learning all those things, but. Well, you mentioned uh, just, this is a very quick point I want to make because it, I I think it's relevant, you know, going to a certain school, right? Like depending on where you go to school, you get exposed to like a new social group. So my brother and I have very different perspectives on class, right? Like my brother is like class warrior. He's just like always angry at rich people. (laughs) Like everything is boiled down to like rich people. And, you know, he's, he's a police officer in Los Angeles and he has like a a lens on the world that is just like, uh, I mean, he's a very smart guy. Uh, but he definitely, when I hear him talk about like the things that are upsetting to him, it's always through that lens. Right. And I kind of have the opposite thing where I'm like, I don't really like understand that player. I don't have that like knee jerk response, but we had very different experiences. He went to St. Ignatius high school in San Francisco. Oh, SI? Yeah. That was like right down the road for me. Yeah, because he was, I mean, he's very smart, you know, so he got to go to a school, but that, and then a lot of rich kids go to that school, right? Uh-huh. They also yeah. have really good sports. Uh, yeah, they yeah. do. Yeah. And, and I went to public schools in San Francisco. So my brother, and that's just how things worked out, partly because I was a bad kid and whatever. I'm not blaming anybody for that. That's just what happened, right? Um, And, and I'm fine with it. But my brother went to St. Ignatius, a good school in San Francisco, a fancy school with a lot of rich kids. And I went to public schools in San Francisco, uh, which is fine. There's an explanation for that that we don't have time for right now. Uh, But he was always saddled with the pressure of feeling like he was like a poor kid who didn't have nice stuff surrounded by rich kids. Right. And burdened by that pressure. 
And I had the inverse thing where I felt like I was like this privileged kid surrounded by people, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, because I was going to public schools in San Francisco. So even though we had exactly the same experience, his memory of it was of, of deprivation, right? That we grew up and we didn't have things and it was embarrassing, like how poor we were. And I feel like, oh, we had a lot, but that's because I was informed by my social group. He was going to visit his friends and he was like, oh my God, this is a like a beautiful, fancy house. And like, I would go to visit my friends and be like, oh, this is not a beautiful and fancy house and kind of make me feel grateful or put my own experience in perspective, um, which I also think is a big part. But I thought of that because you mentioned going to Waldorf and being exposed to a whole different social strat. My sisters went to Hamlin too. I remember yeah. one time one of the girls from Hamlin came over to our house and my, well, I don't, I think I was three. So I'm recalling the story on behalf of my sister. You know, my mom made like queso frito and like platanos and, um, they were like, oh, what is that? Like, they were making fun. Of, and then actually in school, like, told a bunch of her classmates. Also, Hamlin is like an all-girls rich school. And it sounds like it's from hell. But, uh, you know, like, told all her classmates. Shout out like, to Hamlin. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Hamlin. Um, but she she told all my sister's classmates, like, oh, Kadi lives in, like, this, uh, like, a you know, apartment the size of, like, my room. You know, just something, like, just so hurtful. Kids are mean. Kids are hella mean. Kids are mean. They get meaner as they get older. (laughs) Why are they mean, man? But anyway, yeah, even the food you eat, you know. We're we're gonna ridicule each other no matter what it is. You know what I mean? (laughs) That's that's the nature of youth. We want to intensely socialize each other because we all have to be exactly the same because that's the point of socialization. And any deviation from that is problematic. You are Uh, exactly. But that's for our bullying show, which will come later. I want to. I want to thank everybody for being here, particularly uh, to you, Jamila, for writing the piece that started this conversation. I think this was the most honest, comprehensive conversation I've ever had about money in my life, and I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> I was like more honest with you guys about things than I think I've ever been with anyone else about how I feel about money and my own brokenness or not. So, thank you for prompting that conversation. <laughs> Uh, thank no you, Amelia. Welcome back. Uh, and thanks to our listeners. Until next time, Quest On, everybody. This episode of Quest On Media's Margin Call was produced in Richmond, California. 